0: This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We wish you a warm welcome from the Christian Crusaders. Today's culture teaches you earn what you get and you get what you deserve. If we try to be good people, God will repay us by answering our prayers. But in one of Jesus' parables, he tells us who actually receives their reward. Join us for our Stories with Intent series with the message, A Story for Diane. Today we're going to
1: take a look at a prayer God loves to hear. I hope you'll stay with us and find out more from God's Word. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we approach your throne of grace today, aware of our sinfulness and our need for your forgiveness and mercy. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and fill us with your Spirit, so that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways. We thank you for your mercy and grace. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke, chapter 18, beginning at verse 9. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven but was beating his breast and saying god be merciful to me a sinner i tell you this man went down to the, his home justified rather than the other for all who exalt themselves will be humbled but all who humble themselves will be exalted dear friends i was on a plane headed to montana It was many years ago. My mother was deathly ill in the Billings Hospital, and I was headed there to be with her, my dad, and sister. I was pretty focused on that situation, just wanting to get there as fast as I could. I had brought a book along with me to try to read and keep my mind off things. I wanted to just quietly keep to myself on the flight. But I guess God had some other plans for me. Seated next to me was a talkative woman. She was in her mid-50s, I suppose. She introduced herself to me, and I introduced myself to her. Her name was Diane, and it didn't take long. We were having a conversation. She told me about her background. She lived a fairly hard life with some broken relationships and some disappointments along the way. When she found out I was a pastor, she told me that she was not in a church herself, but very spiritual. She didn't feel any particular need for a church. She said, I figure I'm doing good enough, she said. Of course, that statement opened a door for me to turn the conversation a bit. I said, that's interesting. So can I ask you a question? If this plane went down tonight, do you think you'd go to heaven? Sure, she said with confidence. I asked her on what basis she was so sure about her answer. And her response was, because I've lived a good enough life. If you were sitting in my seat at that time, what would you have said to Diane? Nothing? Maybe nod your head in agreement? Or change the subject? Well, Jesus told a parable for Diane, and for us as well. Remember that the parables of Jesus are earthly stories containing a heavenly truth, and this one contains a wonderful life-saving truth. Let's examine what is called the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The tax collectors were also referred to as publicans. In this parable, there are two people at church. They'd come to pray. It was following the atonement sacrifices made in the temple. The first one had lived a very good life. He was a Pharisee. He worked hard at keeping every letter of God's laws and statutes. He was part of an elite group who were known for their deep religiosity. The second man had lived a very bad life. He was one of the local tax collectors who were known to be swindlers and cheats. He was also seen as a traitor against his people because he was working for the hated Roman government which had taken over the country. He was a very bad man. This man had come to pray in the temple knowing he didn't have a leg to stand on before a holy God. In the parable there were two prayers weren't there and they were very different from one another. The first man stood in the front of the congregation and prayed, thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, like thieves and rogues and adulterers and even that tax collector in the back of the church. I fast extra, I tithe extra. He's basically saying, Lord, look how good I am. I'm so much better than anyone else. I'm sure that you and I are good with one another. There's almost an attitude of, God, you're lucky to have me on your team. He's self-righteous, presumptuous, and arrogant in this prayer. He's very full of himself. Reminds me of a statement pastor and author John MacArthur once wrote. He said, some people get so caught up in their own holiness that they look at the Trinity for a possible vacancy. (laughs) Well, the publican, the tax collector, stood far off in the back. He knows he is not worthy to come close to the altar or the other worshipers. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat on his chest, which was a sign of contrition and anguish in the Middle East culture. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's a bit of a feeling of David's Psalm, Psalm 51 in this prayer. He knew his uncleanliness his sinfulness before this holy God to whom he prayed. So he came in deep contrition and also faith in the mercy of God. So we have it, two men, two prayers. Jesus finished up the story by saying, well, there were two answers to these two men's prayers. One went home justified made right with God, he was forgiven and accepted, the tax collector. And the Pharisee didn't. Then Jesus said, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves before God, they'll be exalted. The truth that Jesus is making to those who are trusting in themselves is this. Not one of us is righteous on our own to approach the throne of grace, to approach our holy God. And it's dangerous to be trusting in yourself for a right relationship with God. You can only come humbly before him, begging for mercy and grace. This parable is basically about a statement that Jesus made earlier on in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Being poor in spirit means seeing that you're deeply in debt before God and you have no ability to even begin to redeem yourself. Only God's free generosity to you at infinite cost to him Is the thing that can save you. The tax collector is a picture of the poor in spirit, isn't he? He sees himself for who he really is, a debtor before God, unable to buy himself out of trouble, having to rest on the mercy of God. And he receives God's mercy. He is Justified, Jesus said, made right with God. Martin Luther said long ago, it's the beggars before God who are the blessed. It's the ones who humbly approach the throne of grace confessing that are justified before God. They count on his mercy and grace. So when it comes to being right with God and receiving forgiveness and eternal life in his kingdom, this parable invites us to throw away our spiritual resumes that we think are so impressive to God because he is not impressed. All of that is nothing more than filthy rags in his sight. I know that some people have a hard time swallowing that. Perhaps it's human pride. Perhaps it's lack of faith. Perhaps it's just the way you grew up. Our culture teaches you, you earn, you get what you deserve. Tim Keller in his book, Generous Justice, describes many people today who resist Christ's teachings about our spiritual poverty before God. He writes about them, on the contrary, you believe that God owes you some things. He ought to answer your prayers and to bless you for the many good things you've done. Even though the Bible doesn't use the term by inference, you can say that you are not poor in spirit, but middle class in spirit. You feel that you've earned a certain standing with God through your hard work. They're like the Pharisee. But Jesus shows us in this parable, it's the one who comes empty handed, realizing the righteousness, the holiness, the purity, the mercy, and grace, and justice of God, and and one's total unworthiness, and uncleanliness, and helplessness before him, trusting in his grace that comes away justified, made righteous. When the tax collector came praying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, he, he showed an awareness that he was in danger his very soul was in danger for eternity. He was like the prophet Isaiah who cried out in the temple when he had the heavenly vision of God, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I have beheld God in his temple. The tax collector walked away justified by God, but not the poor deluded Pharisee. He was totally unaware of the danger that he was in before his holy God as he trusted in himself and not God. The truth is like the tax collector and the Pharisee, We cannot stand before our holy God on our own merit. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standards. Not one of us is righteous before him now, no matter how good or religious we've been. God is holy and just and detests our sin. It keeps us separated from him for eternity. Our being right with God is beyond our human capabilities. But as we come, seeing ourselves as sinners in need of God's mercy, God is also merciful, and he's forgiving. In 1 John 1, it says, If we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He justifies and forgives the sinner, at his own expense. How so? At the cross. The Son of God, Jesus the Righteous One, who never sinned, the obedient Son, paid for the sins and debts of the unrighteous, so that you might be made righteous and clean in God's sight. As we think of the horrific crucifixion of our Savior, who suffered the punishment and wrath of God towards sin, we see the serious nature of our sin and the amazing grace of God, who justifies us as we trust and receive Jesus Christ into our lives. I know there might be someone here thinking today, well, if God is so merciful and gracious, then why bother to be good before him? Why not just live like the dickens and ask for mercy at the end? Fair question, I suppose. And it's been asked before. If you've turned to Romans 6, you'll find the same question being asked. Well, here's a helpful answer from theologian Donald Bloch. He says, The the, the Christian alternative to Pharisaism is not publicanism or tax collectorism, but costly discipleship. The laxity of the tax collector is just as repugnant to God as the self-righteousness of the Pharisee. In the parable, it's not the tax collector as such, but the repentant tax collector who is praised by Jesus. Now let's get back to my conversation with Diane, who was trusting in herself for entrance into God's heaven. I asked Diane, so Diane, what do you think good enough? She said, I don't know. I guess I'm not sure. I responded, so then you're really not sure God will receive you into his heaven, right? And she said, well, I've tried to be the best person I can be. I figure that that's good enough for God. I said to her, you know, Jesus once said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Would you say you're perfect? She said, well, of course not. I said, neither am I. But here is some good news for imperfect people like us. Heaven's a free gift. She said you must have to do something for it. I explained that you would think so, but it's something that cannot possibly be earned. We'll never be good enough on our own to have a right relationship with God. And then I told her about what Jesus had done for her on the cross and his resurrection and that as we place our trust in Him and what He's done for us. As we lay down our trophies, we're forgiven. The gift of heaven is ours. I concluded the conversation with, you know, I'm going home to be with my mom. I'm not sure at this point if she's dead or alive, but I'll tell you one thing I do know. If she is dead, she's in heaven. Not because my mom deserves it, not one of us does, but because she trusts in Jesus. And that's my comfort, my consolation right now as I fly home. Diane, trust in Jesus and not yourself. She looked a little skeptical as she considered that. She responded, I don't know, but you have given me something to think about and the conversation ended. Shortly after that, the plane landed in buildings and we went on our own ways. I prayed for Diane as she walked away. She's in danger, but unaware of it, trusting in herself instead of God's grace. The world is full of Diane's, some are even churchgoers I've learned from personal experience as a pastor. They're trusting in themselves to make things right with God, thinking and hoping that they're good enough. They set their own standards for what's good enough, or they compare their goodness with others' goodness and figure that's enough. But they're in eternal danger. So I end this message with two appeals. If you're counting on yourself, then the appeal today is drop that spiritual resume you've been counting on to impress God. It's worthless. And humbly come before the throne of grace, confessing your need for God's mercy. Place your trust in Jesus Christ, the righteous one who suffered and died so that you might have righteousness, a right relationship with God for eternity. The gift of righteousness is received through trusting in Christ alone. And secondly, if you're someone who has received God's gift of righteousness, then I leave you with this little story. The former Princeton president who had received Christ into his life once remarked that he was now living the rest of his life as a P.S. Thank you, God. I can't think of a better way to live the rest of your life. May the rest of your days be a P.S. Thank you, God, for saving me. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen.
0: You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has blessed you with the knowledge that the gift of righteousness for eternity is found by trusting in Christ alone. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit, listener supported ministry dedicated to serving the spiritual needs of those who have need to listen. We are extremely grateful and feel a great responsibility to all who support us with their prayers and gifts. In this effort, we are currently considering the viability of each station we use. Therefore, during the month of August, we are asking you, our listeners, to please let us know where you hear this program. You can mail this information to us at Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613, by email, to cc.naz.org, by visiting our website at www.christiancrusaders.org, or by calling us at 888-693-2484. If you are listening to a radio station, please give the call letters of that station. Each quarter, we print a newsletter called The Crusader. Each newsletter contains short messages by our speakers, Pastor Kramer and Pastor Lavig, and by our executive director, Julie Nordstrom, in addition to other general information about Christian Crusaders. If you would like to receive this newsletter and are not already on our mailing list, please send us your name and address, and we'll include you in future newsletter mailings. We thank you for worshiping with us this day and invite you to join us again next Sunday when Pastor Kramer will continue his sermon series on the parables of Jesus, stories with intent, with the message, The Search. Today's host was our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936.